Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score, and today's episode is presented by Head and Shoulders. Offense for great hair, defense against flakes. We are back. We weren't able to do the Friday live chat last week, unfortunately, but we are here. We are ready to roll today. Appreciate you tuning in. On today's show, we're going to talk about the latest injuries from Sunday's action. We'll go over the top waiver wire ads like we always do, just the, the usual Monday stuff. But in the middle there, I want to do a little more house cleaning. I want to list off some players that you can confidently drop after five weeks. We did this briefly after week two, I think it was. Just trying to free up some space on your roster. while there are a lot of quality options on the waiver wire this week, especially at receiver. So we're going to do it again, and then hopefully you can get some of those high upside receivers onto your bench, maybe even into your starting roster now. We'll begin with the injuries, though, because we have a few more big ones to deal with here. we got to start with the biggest injury of the day, maybe the biggest injury of the year. Dak Prescott suffered a compound fracture in his ankle. This is the type of injury that you really don't want to see the replay of. The ankle just twisted a way that it should not twist whatsoever. He knew it was bad. I mean, anytime a player's crying when they're getting carted off the field, you can assume it's the worst. So Dak will not be back this year. He underwent surgery on Sunday night, trying to limit the risk of infection, get him in surgery as quick as possible. And now we got to look towards 2021 for him. In the meantime, this is huge for the Cowboys offense. The Cowboys offense has been supporting a ton of fantasy starters. They got the three receivers, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. You got Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. You got Dalton Schultz at tight end. He's been in the tight end one mix in fantasy during the opening month. And you also pair this with the injuries that they've suffered on their offensive line And we're into a real problem zone for Dallas here. It's not that they aren't going to be able to produce. They definitely still will be. But especially with the offensive line injuries as well, it could be an issue. Now, Andy Dalton is one of the best backups in the league. So they have that going for them. And Dalton has been a top five, top 10 fantasy quarterback in the past when he was with the Bengals. So he's got all these weapons I think he's going to be a borderline QB1 this year as well. And that defense, I mean, with the defense being as bad as it is, it's going to continue to force them to throw. And no matter what the protection on the offensive line is like, they're going to have to throw. So Dalton could flirt with QB1 fantasy numbers. And I don't think he's going to be a top five guy like Dak, but he might be in that low end QB1 range for the rest of the year. And then what does this do for the rest of the skill position players? I mean, it's going to make them a little more inconsistent. Zeke's going to still get his. The bigger issue for him is the O-line and all those injuries, I would think. But for Zeke, he's still a top three fantasy RB. Amari Cooper, he won't have to deal with shutdown coverage every week. I mean, this week, shout out to James Bradbury, who is just killing it for the Giants right now. He's getting those shadow matchups and performing incredibly well in them. But Cooper, Lamb, Gallup, that trio, they're just going to be more inconsistent from week to week. But that's okay because the big weeks are still going to be there. So we'll bump them down just a little bit, just slightly. And it might be a little more frustrating certain weeks having them in your lineup. But overall, they remain pretty close to their previous values. Just a slight downtick there. Really awful for Dak, though. I mean, this guy hadn't missed a game in his career 
up to this point. So you can understand why it would be so hard for him, why he would show the emotion that he did on the way off the field. We look forward to getting him back in 2021, though, and it doesn't end there with the injuries. I mean, another big name went down as well. Dalvin Cook suffered a groin injury. Fortunately for the Vikings, Alexander Madison came in and played really well, and we are not surprised by that whatsoever. This guy has been at the top of my elite backup running back rankings list for a while now in the waiver wire column, and he's an RB1. Anytime that Cook is out, Madison has that kind of upside, RB1 upside, maybe even top five upside, and right now we don't know how long Cook is going to be out for, so we have to say that. I would think that there is a good chance that he misses week six. They have a week seven bye. So he misses week six, gets that extra week, and then hopefully he can come back in week eight. If it's a mild strain, that's what he should be able to do because that's normally only a couple weeks. If it's more severe, then it could be closer to a month, maybe even more, but we'll have to wait and see what the Monday test results bring. Normally we get an update. We haven't yet, but normally we get an update on Monday about that. So we'll see either way you want Madison on your roster and we'll talk more about him in the waiver wire section. Uh, We had some other quarterbacks get banged up other than Dak too. I mean, Baker Mayfield suffered a rib injury. No idea if that's going to keep him out. He seemed pretty confident he'll be able to play through it, but just in case, maybe have Case Keenum on your watch list in two quarterback or super flex leagues, just in case he might get in there if Baker's a little too banged up. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he left or maybe got benched at halftime. He had an atrocious first half. I think this might have been more of a mercy benching by Kyle Shanahan. Give Jimmy G some time to sit down, maybe get 100% healthy. Maybe he did come into this game and was only 80, 85% and wanted to get back out there. And maybe it was affecting him on the field like Kyle Shanahan said that it was. And they can get him back with a little more rest. They can get him back in the field and producing. But their next couple opponents, I mean, the Rams, the Patriots, those aren't great matchups for a quarterback. So it's going to be tough sledding for whoever's in at QB for the 49ers. Might be C.J. Beathard until Garoppolo gets up to 100%. Kyle Allen, he left with an upper body injury. They called it an arm issue, I believe. But on the broadcast, they said that he could have come back into the game. I don't know if Ron Rivera was just kind of rolling with the the narrative and giving Alex Smith his time after making that massive comeback here. I mean, two years away from football, career-threatening injury, and the guy makes it all the way back onto an NFL field and is playing quarterback for Washington on Sunday. It's just a great story, but no matter who's starting in Washington, it's not really that important for fantasy. So unless you're in a two quarterback or a super flex league, I'm staying away from that quarterback situation. Kyle Allen is probably going to get the next start. It seems like, but no matter who's in there, I mean, there's just not that many skill position players that we're looking to in Washington. Antonio Gibson is going to continue to get more work. I mean, he's going to have up days, down days. This guy is sort of learning on the fly how to be a professional running back, and he's doing a really good job so far. So we can get excited about him in the second half of the season moving forward. I want him in my lineup, maybe still flex, low-end RB2, but he'll be okay moving forward. And Terry McLaurin, this week, It was Jalen Ramsey. I mean, most weeks he's not going to have that kind of opponent on the other side of the field. So Gibson, McLaurin, they remain solid assets the rest of the way. That's about it for Washington, though. We're not done yet for injuries. I mean, receiver-wise, DJ Shark, he suffered an ankle injury. This is the second time now that Shark's been hurt this year. The last time he missed a game, 
the Jags passing attack, it just wasn't the same. So hopefully it doesn't cost him time. Deontay Johnson, he left with a lower back injury. Back injuries can be tricky. We're going to have to see what his practice participation is like. He has been missing practice early in the week, coming back later in the week, and then playing in the game. We'll see if something similar happens here, but him being out has allowed Chase Claypool to absolutely go off. I mean, that four touchdown performance on Sunday. So Johnson, maybe he missed his chance to really establish himself as the alpha in that wide receiver room. Could be more of a group effort moving forward, but we're going to have to watch to see when he gets back to practice. And we'll talk more about Claypool in that waiver section as well. Uh, Sammy Watkins, he suffered a hamstring injury. Might be the, the biggest fantasy tease out there when we're talking about Sammy Watkins. I mean, he gives us a big game once in a while, often in week one of the season, and it makes us think that he might be usable every single week. But in reality, he lets us down constantly. I mean, he should be putting up bigger performances playing in this offense, and he just doesn't do it. But the thing about this news is it opens the door for Miko Hardman. He was second on the team in snaps this week thanks to Watkins' injury, and he's going to be a regular fantasy starter while Watkins is out, and maybe this is the chance he needed to finally prove himself and to be the number two guy there moving forward. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, he also warrants some consideration, but he's been pretty inconsistent as well, kind of like Watkins, even when he has gotten the opportunities to start. Uh, A.J. Green, he left with a hamstring injury, but once again, he wasn't doing anything before the injury, so if you weren't willing to drop him before, this should push you over the ledge. It's Tyler Boyd, it's T. Higgins for the Bengals receivers, And it has been for several weeks, really, and we've talked about it here on the show. And maybe in a a deeper dynasty league, you could look to pick up Auden Tate or Mike Thomas, just in case Green is out for a stretch here. But either way, I mean, you're looking at Boyd and Higgins as the receivers there, and Green is not somebody that should be on your roster anymore. Chris Hogan, he got carted off with a knee injury, but you weren't using any of the Jets receivers, other than Jamison Crowder anyway nor should you moving forward here. Uh, Some players that I think we could get back the next time that their teams take the field, Devontae Adams, he should be ready to go after the Packers week five bye. He seemed pretty confident he could have played in their last game as well. The team decided to hold him out, and that's probably going to be a smart move looking at a team that could potentially make a Super Bowl run. You want your star receiver to be 100%. You also don't want your star receiver punching teammates in the face. I mean, Michael Thomas, it sounded like he could have been ready for the Monday Nighter tonight, but he's getting held out for team-issued discipline that he reportedly punched a teammate in the face. So hopefully you have somebody else you can pivot to tonight. I mean, if you're really in desperation mode and looking for somebody to fill in in one league, I picked up Jalen Guyton. He caught a long touchdown last week, even if Mike Williams is back. Maybe he does that again this week. Who knows? I mean, Khalif Raymond, if that Titans game happens this week, he's set up to probably be the number two receiver in their offense. And if A.J. Brown doesn't play, I think he's going to. But if A.J. Brown doesn't play, Khalif Raymond would be the number one receiver for the Titans this week. Uh, We're still waiting to hear some updates on some other guys, too. I mean, Julio Jones hamstring issue. And now that he's missed one game. I wouldn't be surprised if he misses another. It's just kind of like once you break the seal there, then it's not as bad to miss a second game. In the player's mind, I think that's how they look at it. Cam Newton, we're still waiting for him to get cleared from the COVID diagnosis. But the fact that the Patriots game got postponed a week, it's great news for that, right? Not just for Cam himself or the Patriots, 
but for fantasy managers who have him on their team, because that's one less game that he's likely to miss now. So good chance we get him back in week six. And then Drew Locke, kind of the same goes for him. He was close this week, so should be ready to go in week six when those two teams square off. Now, like I promised, let's take an honest look here at our rosters, especially the benches, and try to drop some of these players that just aren't performing, that aren't likely to turn it around in the near future anyway. At quarterback, I said it before, but Carson Wentz, it's not a talent issue. It's the injuries around him, especially to that offensive line. He just doesn't have the ceiling that we expected for him, and he gets the Ravens next week, so I'm not sure why he's still rostered in 64% of leagues. Baker Mayfield is rostered in 39% of leagues. Even without this most recent injury here, he is not performing well. He doesn't have a single game over 20 fantasy points this year. No reason to hold him outside of, you know, two quarterback super flex leagues, obviously. Uh, Phillip Rivers, the Colts aren't throwing enough. We expected that before the season. We knew that they were going to lean on the run. I think we viewed Rivers as maybe more of a, a low-end QB2, which I guess is where he is right now. But he's barely playable even in those formats. He looks completely washed, just doesn't have it anymore. I don't know that I'd want to even stream him in good matchups. That is really condemning to say, but... I don't think he's a guy that I want in my lineup in any type of format at this point, so you can let him go. For running backs, it's a little tougher to outright drop a running back just because we know an injury or two could happen in front of them on the depth chart, and all of a sudden, they get a huge opportunity and become relevant again. But there's a couple guys I'm willing to move on from here. Some of the PPR guys, like Naheem Hines, he's just not getting enough work, right? Not to be a fantasy starter anyway. He's never going to be a consistent difference maker in your lineup. He's just more of a bi-week fill-in. That's about it. That's not somebody that I want on my roster, if I can do better. And you hope that you can find somebody better on the waiver wire. Jordan Howard, obviously. I mean, he was a healthy scratch this week, and somehow he is still rostered in 33% of leagues. Tevin Coleman, I know he's on IR, so maybe that's why people are still stashing him. But Raheem Mostert came back. He looked healthy this week and actually got a lot more work than I expected. I thought it would be more of a 50-50 split or even McKinnon taking the lead this week while Mostert got, you know, knocked the rust off and got back up to 100%. But Mostert stepped right back in and was good to go. So it's going to be Mostert. It's going to be McKinnon. And then Coleman's a ways off on top of the injury there as well. So he doesn't need to be on your bench. Carry on Johnson, he's only top 16 rushing yards in one game this season. He would need injuries to Swift and Peterson before he could get into fantasy lineups, so you can let him go unless you're in a very, very deep league. Frank Gore, he had his shot with Bell Hurt, and he did nothing, so I don't care how much Adam Gase likes him. You know, he split with some of these other backups that they have who are really guys who are, you know, borderline, not even NFL talent, so now that Bell's back... I shouldn't have to tell you this, but you can drop Gore from all formats. At wide receiver, I assume the injury is going to be the final straw, like I mentioned earlier with A.J. Green. I mean, he's rostered in 69% of leagues. Absolutely no explanation for that. I doubt you can get anything for him in a trade at this point either, which is unfortunate. Marvin Jones, 66% rostered. He's still a name, but that's about it. I mean, with Kenny Galladay back in week four, Jones only saw two targets, only had one catch for nine yards. So find a higher upside option 
for your bench. Jones doesn't look like he has it anymore. Anthony Miller, one of my preseason favorites, you know that, but Miller just isn't getting the opportunity and he's getting passed by guys like Darnell Mooney, the rookie there. He's seeing more work than Miller. So maybe Miller is one of those guys that eventually will get his opportunity on a second team down the road. That's all we can hope right now because I don't have much confidence that he's ever going to be a guy that you can trust in your fantasy lineup while he's in that Chicago offense. Alan Lazard, unless you're holding him in an IR spot, he can be let go. I'm not expecting him back anytime soon. And his big performances came when Devontae Adams was out. So Adams is back now. Lazard would only be a secondary pass catcher. You also have Robert Tanyan coming on. You have Aaron Jones doing a lot of work out of the backfield in the receiving game. So I'm not as excited about Lazard as some other people are after that injury. Uh, Corey Davis, he's on the COVID list and he really didn't step up. Well, AJ Brown was out anyway, so I don't know that we can think that he's going to do anything. Another guy that you hope maybe he goes to a different situation on his next contract, ends up with another team and could do something and salvage his career. Scotty Miller, he was banged up and he showed us his floor last week on that Thursday game, just zero fantasy points. So no need to hold him. Curtis Samuel, he's been okay. He's putting up some points, but he hasn't really been usable in fantasy. He's not having any big games, so I wouldn't really want him in my lineup. I don't really know what you're waiting for having him on your roster at this point. Maybe an injury to DJ Moore, maybe an injury to Robbie Anderson, but I'm not really going to hold him and hope for that. And then to end it off with tight ends here, it's kind of similar to quarterbacks where you can really stream most of these guys. So it's hard to just say outright drop them, even if they're tight end twos. But you can look at a couple guys here that I think we had hope for and aren't going to come through for us in 2020. Chris Herndon on the Jets. He's had three or fewer targets in each of the last four games. Not an exciting offense, and he is not being used enough to overcome that. Logan Thomas on Washington. After seeing at least seven targets in each of the first three games, Thomas has only seen four in each of the last two games. He only caught two passes in each of those games, so we can safely move on from him at this point. And that brings us to the waiver wire section. And as usual, I am not going to talk about every single player that I have in the article. That's because I have like 50, 60 players in there that I name. I'm trying to cover whatever size league you're in, but we're just going to go over the top ads for week six. And this year I've been breaking it down in the article too. I've been trying to get a little more specific. So can give you an idea of what you can expect from some of these pickups, depending on what category I have them listed in. So for quarterbacks heading into week six, it's Andy Dalton. We talked about him off the top. He's just 3% rostered. And that's not surprising because about 24 hours ago, he was just getting paid to hold the clipboard, but now he's the starter in Dallas with all of those weapons. I really think he could be exciting for fantasy, and I cannot believe that I'm saying that about Andy Dalton, but he's in a fantastic situation right now, and he had some decent years with the Bengals. I mean, he was the QB 10 in 2011, the QB 9 in 2012, QB 3 in 2013. People probably forget that. QB 12 in 2014, QB 10 in 2016, and from 2011 to 2016, he was no worse than the QB 16 in fantasy. So this guy can produce when he has the weapons around him. And right now in Dallas, he definitely does. So I think he could sneak into that top 12 for fantasy most weeks. And the first matchup here with the Cardinals, it isn't that scary, right? They just lost Chandler Jones for the season. That's their top pass rusher. So if you're a DAC manager, 
go and get Dalton or stream somebody else. You could stream Kirk Cousins next week. He's 32% roster, but he gets the Falcons. And it's not that Cousins has been putting up big days for fantasy, but the Falcons have been giving up really big days for fantasy. I mean, 322 yards and four touchdowns to Russell Wilson, 450 yards and four total touchdowns to Dak, three touchdowns to Nick Foles in just one half of action in that game. 327 yards and four touchdowns to Aaron Rodgers, and then 313 yards and two scores to Teddy Bridgewater this past week. So they're a team to target for streamers. You can really all year long just kind of look at the schedule. Who are the Falcons playing? Who's the quarterback on the other side? Can I get him this week? That is legitimately a move you could employ for your fantasy team this year. Lots of other names in the article, though. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Gardner Minshew. You can check those out in there, though. For running backs, make sure that guys like Cam Akers, Chase Edmonds, Adrian Peterson, even Zach Moss, make sure they're all rostered. They're close to that 50-60% bar that I use as a cutoff. But the big ad this week, Alexander Madison, like I said earlier, he's been in the waiver wire article every week this year. His name has been in there. He has been under the elite running backs, the elite backup guys, the insurance policies, whatever you want to call them. He is arguably the best of that group. And if you need more proof, I mean, last night he gets into the game, 20 carries, 112 yards, three catches for another 24 yards. And that's just in relief duty. This guy can ball And I expect him to get at least one start, like I was explaining. I think because they have that week seven bye, they can play it safe with Cook, keep him out for two weeks, and then assess from there how much time he's going to need to miss, if any more at all. Maybe he comes back in week eight. So at worst, if you go out and you pay up to get Madison, at worst, you get one of the guys who's the best possible running back backup out there on your roster moving forward. And you have a guy in Dalvin Cook who has a significant injury history. So I want Madison on my team. I would love to have him in my starting lineup next week. I would try hard to get him off the waiver wire. Justin Jackson, 43% rostered. Now we're recording this on Monday afternoon. We don't know how Jackson performed in the Monday nighter, but he's at least going to be the complimentary option to Josh Kelly while Austin Eckler is out here. And it's possible Jackson could turn this into an even split, maybe even see more work. I don't think that's going to happen, but that is in his range of outcomes. So keep that in mind if he's still out there in your league. Philip Lindsay, he was supposed to return this week. The game got pushed back to week six. So he's someone who's worth adding. Another guy who could turn his backfield into more of a timeshare. Not that much at running back, though, this week. I mean, really, it's Madison and no one else. And if you want to even go deeper with the Vikings, I mean, a guy like Mike Boone, I love bringing him up. It's a great name. Mike Boone would be out there to grab as well, just in case Madison himself gets hurt over the next week or so. For receivers, this is where there is a ton of options this week. I mean, make sure T. Higgins is rostered. He's up around that 50-60% mark. Talked about him a bunch in recent weeks. You should also feel comfortable putting in a huge bid for Chase Claypool. I mean, 16% rostered, so he is available in most places. Coming off this 7-catch, 110-yard, 4-touchdown day. Added another 6 yards on the ground, including one of those 4 touchdowns. This one just isn't hard. This guy's been an emerging talent for the last few weeks. We've seen him coming on. Another guy who's been listed in my receiver section in the waiver wire column, 
under the promising rookies, the guys that we had a lot of hope for and who were really performing well early in the season in limited opportunities. But now with Deontay Johnson sidelined, Claypool has just been going off. John Daigle, Roto World, always crushing it, John. He tweeted out that the last two games where Deontay has been knocked out, Claypool has played 73% of the Steelers' snaps, 15 targets in those games. He's lining up in the slot on 37%. That helps him get easier coverage most of the time. And they're finding ways to get him the ball out of the backfield, inside the 10-yard line. Really valuable touches for him. So Claypool is in that wide receiver three mix now. There's just no way you can put him back in the box. He could be a breakout star. This is somebody who could emerge as a wide receiver too. We've expected that someone in that receiving core could do it. Maybe Deontay Johnson comes back and he can still pull it off. But right now, I would think that Claypool has the advantage there. And maybe it becomes more of a group effort and it does become a little more frustrating for fantasy. But I like to be aggressive early in the season on the waiver wire. When you see a player perform the way Claypool has, I want to have them on my roster to see if it works out and if they can actually hit the ceiling of their talent. And this week, he did it. A Henry Ruggs, another rookie, came back healthy this week, 118 yards and a touchdown in that game. Now, it was only on two catches. We have to say that. But that is the kind of explosiveness that he has The Raiders are going to look to him. They took this guy in the first round. He's got draft capital behind him. And I was on the Roto Underworld podcast last week, and they asked me for a bold prediction. And looking at the remainder of 2020, I said Henry Ruggs is going to be a top 20 fantasy receiver in the second half of the season. That looks even better after this performance. So you know that I like him. You know that I want to get him on my team if he's still out there. Brandon Cooks, 44% rostered. He followed up that zero line last week with eight catches, 161 yards, and a touchdown in week five. This might be a fluid situation. I mean, where some weeks it's Fuller, some weeks it's Cooks, who kind of ends up as that number one receiver on the team in a given game. But he has the potential to be the number one wideout in this offense. We've seen him do it in other offenses during his career. So for now, I would view this as a ceiling game. I would view Cooks as more of an inconsistent wide receiver three, but this definitely shows his upside. And one more wideout we got to mention, Miko Hardman, 40% rostered. With Sammy Watkins out, this was the window that Hardman needed. This is what we needed to happen. I've talked about him as like the weird handcuff wide receiver out there that if one of the starters gets hurt and he finally gets a chance that he could put up huge numbers, well, This is his chance here. We don't know how long Watkins is going to be out, but this is the opportunity we were waiting for. And in a Patrick Mahomes offense, Hardman could be a top 25 fantasy receiver with a bigger opportunity, which is finally coming here. A ton of good receivers, though. There are so many. I want to just rattle them off, but I also want you to go and read the column. So check that out. I don't know how I'm going to break them all down. I got to do that once we're done here. And we'll finish with tight ends, which is much, much more boring. It is hard to follow up receivers with tight ends this week. So I'm not going to spend that much time on them. But a couple touchdown dependent options you could look at as streamers this week. I mean, Jimmy Graham in Chicago. It seems to have a bit of connection with Nick Foles now. Darren Fells, we'll have to watch to see if Jordan Aikens is going to continue to be out with this ankle injury. It was a concussion first, and then it was actually the ankle issue that kept him out this week. If Aikens is out, Fells becomes a decent streamer, kind of like he was this week. A guy who has that touchdown upside, and you're kind of hoping for him 
to hit. If he catches a ball in the end zone, you're good for that week. If he doesn't, it's probably not going to happen for you. But at tight end, that's enough. That's the kind of guy that you end up getting in your lineup as a streamer, unfortunately. And that is all for today's show. Make sure you check out that waiver wire column when it goes up on Monday night. I'll be updating it after the Monday nighters and after the Tuesday game. If the Tuesday game happens, I'll be back on Wednesday to preview week six. But until then, big thanks to Head and Shoulders for sponsoring the show. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.